Microphone check. One, two, three. You know what it is. You know what it do. First and foremost, can I start without giving all the glory to, to Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior? Without you, I'm none. Amen. You know who it is. Alexander DeBlanc. Why now? We got another special guest, y'all. Man, we've been coming with that heat, but... I'm very excited for this guest. I know I'm very excited for all my guests, but this is my brother right here, bro. This is is really my brother, man. And he's been doing some things that I've been watching for years. And to see his growth and to have him here to talk about just everything in the world of finance, real estate, entrepreneurship. I'm so excited to just hear his story and just share with y'all all the great things that he's been doing and it's none other than my brother tristan tolliver bro how are you doing today hey man i'm blessed i'm blessed i'm happy to be here man excited to uh do this podcast with you this is my first podcast man so who better to to oh see you ain't tell me that you ain't tell me that when we you ain't never see full of surprises you you (laughs) (laughs) You held that out bro for sure because Man, I think we've been trying to put this podcast together for a minute. And tell me, yo, I got this dope content studio that's coming together. Like, you got to come check it out. And I was like, all right. You know, and I think this was the perfect time. Y'all, y'all got to see, like, just what he has and he's putting together. I can't, I can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait to Me see you both, man. Me and you both. But bro, like, I don't even know where to start because there's so many different avenues that you've done. And, but it's just how you feeling, bro? Like, how are you overall? How has the year been for you this year? Yeah, for sure, man. You know, it's um, you know, anytime I get to wake up and do things that I love to do, I consider myself blessed, man. You know, every day is another chance to try to be better than the day before. And so, preach some some things about this year. Obviously, I would love to change other things. I'm, I'm excited about it, but you got to take the good with the bad at all times because it makes the good that much better when those things do happen, man. So all things considered, I'm blessed, man. I'm blessed. Man, I, I'm so glad that you say that because a lot of people, they don't take the good with the bad. Some people really beat themselves up. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of crazy because I was reading your bio she was a great bio, by the way. Shout out to you, bro. It. I was like, I didn't know what it was. I was like, I don't know what to put in. It's nah, bro. One, you, so. you sent like a, 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 and I was just reading all the things that you've overcome as far as adversity and just you continually to show up. I'm going to give you your flowers, bro. Like you just continuing to show up and be the strive to be the best version of yourself despite whatever adversity or outcome that you've gone through, bro. It's really commendable. But um, one thing in particular that, I was reading and it stood out to me was you were working 60 hours a week bro i mean that was probably minimum (laughs) (laughs) that was probably minimum man that was my um bro what yeah yeah my first job out of college i mean 60 hours a week bro weekends too weekends too doing mortgage banking that was my first job out of college man i was in the mortgage industry um, as a loan officer, and that was kind of my introduction uh, to real estate. Yeah. You know, really by accident, but 
Yeah, that was a, that was a grind, man. And, uh, and, and at that time, I didn't really have anything to compare it to, right? That was mm-hmm. my first corporate job. And so in my mind, I'm thinking this is just what it is. Um, and it took me about a little over a year and a half to just be like, yo, I, I can't keep doing this. It's not sustainable, right? Um, and I didn't have much of a passion for it as well. You know, it was that first job out of college. And so I was just trying to make some money. I'm just happy to have a job. I'm just happy right? to have a job, <laughs> man. You know, people you hear how tough it is finding a job out of college, especially something that could be related to whatever you majored in and studied in college. And so, you know, for me, I was just like, hey, this is it. Like, let's let's get to it. And so I tried to go into it with an open mind. But, you know, at some point I was just like, I, this, this can't be it. Bro, so... You also we talk about how seeing things happen outside of your control mm-hmm. shape that decision. Absolutely. What was the moment where you were like, nah, I got to walk away from this. This ain't it. Yeah. I'm burning myself out. We got to figure out something else. Like Something else. Um, for me, man, it was kind of a bad taste in my mouth because not too long after I graduated and started working, my mother got laid off and she lost her job of 30 years. And 30 for, years? Bro? 30 years. She was there for 30 years. And they huh. gave her a plaque that said, you know, 30 years at the company. Like that was that's what that was it. That was their celebration. And um to me, it just rubbed me the wrong way a little bit, you know, because I seen my mom work so hard, you know, her entire life. And give him everything. You know, a- absolutely. And especially after losing my father, I saw her hold it down. Right. Mm. And so for her to go through that and for us to go through that as a family, it was just tough and it rubbed me the wrong way. And so it just made me look at a job in corporate America completely differently, you know, and kind of changed my perspective on it. And I told myself, I got to find an alternative. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's kind of how I transitioned into entrepreneurship and, and real estate. And, uh, you know, the rest from there was just time and, and effort and putting that, that work into it. So walk us through that transition that you just mentioned. What was your first initial step into it? Because you had the background in mortgage banking and you right, started right. to... You know, you said you intro- that introduced you into real estate, but what was like the first step where you felt like this is what I'm going to do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was just being curious, man. And so mm-hmm. I leaned heavily onto self-education. You know, there's a quote that I love that says formal education will make you a portion. Self-education will make you a fortune. And so I had to take it upon myself. Say it again. <laughs> Say it. Formal education will make you a portion, but self-education will make you a fortune. Mm. And so I understood that real estate to me was something I didn't know about. Right. I mean, I knew about the mortgage banking side of it, but in terms of the investing side of it, that's completely different. Mm. And I didn't have anybody in my family that was doing that or anybody I could look up to my community doing that. And so to me, I had to go search for the information. And so, you know, at that time, this was during the time of me working at the at the mortgage uh banker that I was at and the the clients that we were speaking to some of them I would see they had real estate they had like rental income and that was my first introduction to something like that and I just remember being curious and just asking questions questions that I probably wasn't even supposed to be asking but it was just me naturally being curious like how do you how did you do that right like what what's with this and from there it just sparked this this interest and then I just had to go learn as much as possible. And so that was that initial first step because you don't know what you don't know, right? That's fact. And so I had to 
educate myself and, and know and just feel comfortable um, doing something that I haven't done before. And getting uncomfortable. Mm. <laughs> How did you, I mean, I, y'all may not know, again, I've known Tris since middle school. Yeah. So you had a background in sports, mm-hmm. but there's a sense of discipline that you have to have to carry yourself as an athlete. How did did you feel like that kind of helped you a little bit to with the discipline to learn, to be willing to teach yourself and be, of course, like humble enough to go in and continuously like practice? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. And I think sports played a large role into that, man, because sports was something that I just naturally gravitated to growing up. Mm-hmm. You know, my brothers played sports, I played sports, and so I just enjoyed that. But there is a level of discipline that is required in sports too, right? Especially in your earlier years when you're playing for the first time. right? And so you may not be as good as you want to be or the people that you see on TV and things like that. And so you kind of have to go through that. And so for me, it was understanding that it's a process, number one, but also you have to expect that mistakes are going to happen. Mistakes are just proof that you're trying, right? Uh-huh. And so you want to take a step back. Dang. And- <laughs> <laughs> Yo, like, nah, you just... Go ahead, bro. I'm no, let no, you go. You. That's a gem you. right there. I felt that. And then that because it's real. It's real. And so that was that was what I told myself. You know, understand that this is a new venture. This is something that's just totally new for me. And so I had to go into it with an expectation of, hey, you're going to make mistakes with this. You're not going to know everything. So don't put that expectation on yourself that you have to know everything, mm. right? Because I think that's what leads to that disappointment and those feelings of failure or not being ready for something, all the feelings that we feel uh, when we're trying something new, right? And so I try to compare it to like driving a car, you know, at some point in time, you had that first time behind the wheel, you know, and you did not feel great. You didn't feel comfortable about it, you know? And so it was a new feeling, but for some reason you didn't give up and say, I'm not going to do this to get my license because you thought that was a necessity. No, I need to have my license. I need mm-hmm. to have a car. And so it comes down to how bad you want something, right? If you want something bad enough, I don't think you're going to let quote unquote failures stop you from achieving that goal. And that was, that was where my mindset was. Man, bro. I think it's funny because a lot of people stop at their first no. Mm-hmm. And what I've come to learn across a part of this journey, which has been a long one, <laughs> is that, uh, sometimes a no means not right now. Mm. Um, and your time may come, but the the experience that you need or you, you have to obtain, you may have to go through a little extra, some more steps before you're prepared for the thing that you want right now. Yep. Um, I know that this, we're actually in your beautiful property, yeah, yeah. but this isn't your first property. How did you go about getting the knowledge to acquire that first? Yep. Like... Um, I mean, I know that you you talked about self-teaching, but was there, how did you get the connections? Because buying a house ain't easy, you know what I'm saying? It's definitely not. But, definitely you know, not. you had to pull the right pieces into, and then sure. how did you, in addition to that, mm-hmm. how did you know that this was the lane specifically mm-hmm. that you wanted to do as far as real estate goes? Yeah, absolutely. So, first it was just about being intentional, right? So I understood where I was in the journey and I knew how far I needed to get there to go, right? Okay. But I also wanted to leverage the resources around me. So part of that was self-education, you know, podcasts, videos, 
really just consuming that that information and i admittedly i, I became obsessed with it like, yeah, I, I, really, I mean that's fair i think there's a level of obsession you need to have mm-hmm. for something that you really want to do um and then also being intentional about meeting people that are already doing it right again i didn't have people in my circle or my family that was investing in the real estate and so i had to go outside of that i had to go to meetups i had to go to open houses i had to reach out to agents to other investors and introduce myself and say hey this is something that i'm trying to do and i'm just looking for some guidance you know and to your point you get no's right but i think me having a background in mortgage banking and sales kind of gave me tough skin to mm-hmm. where a no was not going to hurt me you know i think a lot of people are afraid of rejection a and, lot yeah exactly and in my mortgage banking day job i was getting rejections every single day mm-hmm. and so i kind of built up the appetite to just be able to handle that and say you know what okay maybe it's no for this person but there maybe is somebody else that is willing to help me and how did i know it was the lane for me i mean just in my research man i just saw the power of it i just saw what it allowed other people to do and for me going back to my mother losing her job i told myself i don't want to have i don't want another person or company employer to have that control over my life mm-hmm. right because a lot of times jobs are determining where you live what kind of car you're driving how many kids you can have literally like your entire <laughs> life how many vacations you can take in a year you know and it's the quality of life and so i didn't want to have that for myself you know i understood that my parents where they came from they gave us opportunity right and that's really all we can ask for i feel like and it's just up to us to try to take that baton and take it a little bit further um and kind of pay it forward and so for me i just saw what it was able to allow other people to do and i said i I need that not only for me but for my family so you're the youngest of four Mm -hmm. and you said there's like you're kind of the first person to step into this round Mm -hmm. how do you have you since gone back and kind of brought the family along or do you feel like it's just more so kind of like still paving the way before you bring others on the journey or because for me i am on this podcast journey mm-hmm. and the media journey and i remember when i first got my sister on the podcast and we were talking about it 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 was harder for me because you got to get them where your mind is as you're still learning. Yep. yep. Uh, do you feel like it's easy for you to bring them along the journey, or, or how has that been for you, for you to motivate through that? Yeah, um, that's a great question, man. I mean, it's a balance of both. So I talk to my family about this often, mm-hmm. right? To the point where I'm probably sure they're sick of me talking about it. At I'm times. glad you said that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you said that. It just is what it is. You know what I'm saying? But they know it comes from a good place and it's good intent, right? So they're not going to just completely tune me out. But I have learned over time that you can't force it on people. They kind of have to come to it on their own terms and in their own senses. And so for me, I've just tried to lead by example mm-hmm. and, and let them know that, you know, I see this not only for me, but for all of us. Um, but I also want you to get a taste of it as well. So, you know, me buying my, my first property, I made it a point to have my brothers come out there and oh. just, you know, like it's tangible. Let's like, you can see it, you can touch it. And while they were there, they were helping me paint and do some work. You know, I try to get the family involved that way as well. Um, and while, we're, while they were there, I could see the, the wheels turning. Right, because they were asking me certain questions that you know only if you were thinking about it. That I know exactly. <laughs> so I know. So to me, I was like, okay, cool. All like right. you're 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 seeing it, and I think being able to see it 
in real life, it, it just it helps to be able to understand it a little bit more because you don't really truly know something until you have to explain it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I could think I know everything about real estate. I never claim to. I don't think I ever will. But until you have to explain it to some person who just knows absolutely nothing about it, I think that challenges you to actually put your knowledge to the test. And so that was something that selfishly I wanted to talk to them about it because I wanted to challenge myself and test myself. Do I really know this? How, how well enough or uh, how much I think I know it, right? And so there was an element about it that as well. But, you know, it's a, it's a constant it's a constant battle, you know what I'm saying? But all of my brothers, they have their own things going on. They're doing their own things. And so I kind of let them know on the wing, like, hey, let's, whenever you're ready, like, you know, let's talk. Or, hey, come check this thing out too. And so I actually recently got a, uh, a property under contract about a few days ago, actually. And um, I'm actually partnering with it on, with my brother. That's so far, and so it's it's kind, of, <laughs> it's, so it's kind of coming full circle, right? And and I think part of that was they had to see me do it, uh-huh. you know, because if this was a few years ago, I don't think they would be willing to do that, right? And so they had to see me do it, and then I think it gave them a little bit of more comfort to say, okay, I see what this has been able to do for him, and I trust him because that's another piece of this as well as the trust, right? Um, again, not yeah. having many people that we can look up to in this space, there's a lack of trust. And you don't want to just, and in real estate, you, you got to just pay to play, right? It, it, it's money. And so there's always that concern of, is this the right person or am I getting into the right thing? And so I think the fact that I'm their brother, I'm blood, and of course I wouldn't put them in a situation that is going to hurt them, uh, that gave them that, that, that peace of mind. I'm not a financial expert. I'm glad that you said that as far as investing and everything in that capacity and you got to pay to play because mm-hmm. you have stocks. I'm a, somebody that trades stocks. Uh, you have crypto. Mm-hmm. You have so many different bonds, futures. You can break it down. Yep. Can you explain a little bit of the investing and the security that you have in real estate? Because most of the experts that I've talked to, they always say that you truly cannot accumulate wealth without property. Yep. Like talk about like the security that there is that you've come to understand in your journey about that. Like wh- how do you establish that? And like, if there's somebody that is starting out, what would you recommend for them to do? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everyone needs a place to live. Right. And so I think that was one of the first realizations that I came to about why Real estate is such a good asset class. You hear stats like it makes the most millionaires. And so you understand that it, it kind of lasted the test of time. And I think that's important when it comes to investing because something like crypto, right? A few years ago, 2020 COVID hit, and that's probably all you really heard about. And nowadays, you don't hear as much about it. I think it could still be a viable asset, you know, in certain circumstances, but. I think it did not last the test of time mm-hmm. because it's just relatively new. And so real estate is tried and true. There's a blueprint for it. And so for me, I'm a very analytical person, yeah. like, you know, going back to financial economics and numbers and things like that. I like things that make sense. Two plus two is four. I like that. That makes, <laughs> sense. Right. That makes sense to me. Right. You can't really argue that. And so for me, real estate, a lot of it comes down to numbers mm-hmm. and just analyzing deals and things like that. And so. Once you can create your own criteria of what makes a good investment for you, then at that point, it's just reverse engineering and trying to 
develop a plan or a blueprint to get to where you want to go. And so for somebody starting off in real estate, there's there's a lot of different ways you can go in real estate, right? And so I think that's why the self-education is important because you don't want to have that uh, shiny object syndrome where you go into something and then you hear about this holy, this totally new thing and it's like, oh wait, I want to go do that. Right. So it's important to at least get this baseline of knowledge and then see which one you gravitate to, right? Gravitate towards and then from there, it's just about execution. You got to just, you got to do it. You got to do it. And that's not what only real estate, that's anything new, right? Entrepreneurship. It's not, it's not the steps, it's the reps. Why are you dropping gems like this on these people, <laughs> bro? Like, only 20 minutes into this, I haven't even gotten to the meat of the conversation, bro. Like, hey, you're just trying to drop these gems, bro. Hey, look, bro, you here, man. I got, I got <laughs> you. I got you. Um, gosh, there's, there's so much that I think our community doesn't know when it comes to financial literacy. And I'm so glad that we're talking about real estate, real estate in particular because um, one thing that we we run into in our community is I think we have a renter's problem mm. where a lot of people would rather rent than buy. I mean, of course, you rent. <laughs> so, like, they, they help. But what do you think? Why do you think they're that is like do you feel like it's a lack of education do you feel like because i know a lot of people that i've talked to they don't even know about these programs mm -hmm. they don't even know that there's first-time home buyer programs they don't even know most people don't even think that they qualify for loans yeah. so um those are a few examples but what things have you run into when talking to people especially in our community that has deterred them from pursuing real estate yeah I think you touched on a lot of them right there. I also think mainly it's just the fear of the unknown, right? Facts. Um, again, in our community, we just don't have a lot of representation. And so with that creates this lack of trust where now we're doing something that historically we, we've kind of been excluded from. Mm -hmm. you've, you've heard of redlining in the past where Facts. they would purposely put you know, certain groups or minorities in their areas or they wouldn't lend into certain areas. And so... For the people in the past who even maybe they wanted to get into real estate, they simply couldn't because they were getting held back. And so that's why for me, I talk about opportunity so much because right now we've had we have the most opportunity that we've ever had. Mm. And hopefully it continues to go like that, right? But we'll be doing a disservice to ourselves to not at least try to do these things that we've been historically excluded from. And I would like to think that there's a reason. There's a reason why we've been excluded from it. It's because it's so powerful. The same way that people back in you know, hundreds of years ago, if if they learn to read and write, then they get disciplined or something happens to them. It's because there's power in that information. And so at that point, it just comes down to actively trying to learn something new and getting out of that comfort zone. You okay. know, um, I would never fault a person for for renting uh, to your point. Right. I mean, I have renters. Right. right. So without them, they're there is no real estate business. And so I would never fault any person for doing that. But as long as it's a conscious decision, mm. don't don't do it because you don't know any alternative. Do it because it just makes sense for your situation and what you're doing. And at that point, to each its own, to each its own. But I think you have to start with the education, you know, obviously, but also encouraging people as well. Um, I'm about three E's. Right. So. You want to educate people. I think that's where it starts. Mm -hmm. And then whether it's self-education or you're helping other people educate themselves, 
uh, then you want to encourage them because again, it's it's tough. It's not easy, and there's a lot of ways or reasons I should say that people may give up along in along the journey. So to have somebody that can encourage you and say, hey, no, you you can do this, right? And have that living proof, I think goes a long way. And then you want to empower them, right? Mm-hmm. You want to empower them to make that change, and not only for them, and let them know, hey, this is it's bigger than you. It's bigger than you. This is not only for you. This is for your family. This is for a legacy. This is for kids, if you have kids, your family. And so for me, that's the that's really what it came down to. And then um, the action, man. You, again, you just got to do it. You just got to do it. I mean, I think the action is the, the biggest piece of it. Once you do that, you're going to learn regardless. You're going to learn through the action and the steps that you take uh, because how can you not? Either that you learn your mistakes and you keep going or you give up. And I think giving up is really the only way that you fail. Hmm. I'm glad you said action because that leads right into my next question because how did you cultivate the eye for opportunity? Mm-hmm. Like we're in a city where there's a lot of opportunity zones. You have a lot of abandoned houses in Baltimore. You have a lot of that have been there for years. Yep, yep. And then you see gentrification in cities like San Francisco, uh, D.C., you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. where there were moments where there were predominantly black communities, but you see that mass influx of not white flight, but, uh, just like mm-hmm. a a scurry of businesses and things in that uh, as far as corporations coming into these cities and then now you have the displacement of communities how do you able to see the opportunity like how do you gauge that this property is somewhere that I feel like is a good buy as opposed to because there's plenty of houses there's always houses on the market for sure but how do you gauge that yeah. So for me, it's about having a buy box. You want to have a criteria, right? You want to have a criteria of what makes sense to you. And again, this could be different and vary depending on the person. Right. So for me, I would never feel comfortable investing somewhere where I wouldn't, I wouldn't want my mom walking outside. If she can't walk outside, then I don't think that's going to be a place I want to buy. I don't care what city it's in. And, you know, I think with opportunity, it has a habit of sometimes sneaking through the back door and kind of disguising itself as misfortune sometimes. Right. Mm. And so it takes that perspective of saying, okay, and Warren Buffett, who's a big investor, people know of him. I love Warren Buffett. Yeah. (laughs) And he has one of those sayings that says, be fearful when people are greedy, be greedy when people are fearful. Mm. And so to me, Baltimore has just been an opportunity. And, you know, I have family in Baltimore. My mother grew up in Baltimore. And so for me, I think it made maybe more sense than the person who just has no ties to it and never been in and they only hear about it in right. certain in certain ways. Um, but also just unpacking that and digging into it, man. There's there's opportunity everywhere. You just have to look for it. And so for me, it was about doing my research, understanding the different pockets and neighborhoods uh, up and coming, right? Where's the path of progress? I can drive around and I can see what's going on. And visiting the place as well. Like, I always want to go visit and and feel the area out before I just throw money at something because I think that's a bad way to go about it. And it's convenient for me because Baltimore has been in the backyard, right? And and you see it. You talked about D.C. You talked about San Francisco. The same thing has happened, you know, in the past. Uh And so success leaves clues. And so you want to keep an eye out for what has happened in the past because – it's likely to happen again, especially with something like real estate, which is 
cyclical, right? Yeah. It goes up and down, but there's trends and there are signs of when something happens, okay, this is probably where this is going to. And unfortunately, our community has just gotten the shorter end of the stick a lot of those times, right? We've, we've gotten pushed out of our communities because we don't, we don't own them. We don't own them. And so when you talk about gentrification, I don't think gentrification is bad all around, mm. right? There's certain parts of it that, are, that could be bad in terms of people getting displaced and things like that, but you want investors to come into your community. You want yeah. a good community, right? You want, you want to feel safe in your community. You want to have resources in your community. You want these things. And so who's to say that we can't gentrify our own communities, right? And I think it starts with the ownership because the ownership is what gives you the control. When you don't own it, you don't control it. And so that, that's what I would say in terms of how I look at it and uh, kind of how I use my criteria to understand where would I want to invest versus where I may not want to invest? Bro, it's, I take these dramatic pauses because it's just like, you have to digest everything that you just said there, where you talked about that gentrification necessarily. Why can't we gentrify our own communities? And um, especially in a place like Baltimore City. I mean, of course, there's infrastructures and things you said the redlining where literally there are still deeds today mm -hmm. that you people are finding where it says like no black people were able to rent here or buy yep. here. And, but um, we are still constantly having this effort to rewrite and unlearn the things that were placed as confines for our community to grow. But I, I do want to echo that, that settlement that we, we should want to live in communities where your mom can walk out, you can walk your dog. And we know the city overall has had a history mm -hmm. within the last few years. It wasn't always like this, you know, but um, people are still working and shout out to Mayor Brandon Scott, who are bring, who was bringing in investors in, in, into the community to cultivate uh, a lifestyle that all can live and prosper in. T let's talk about uh, financial literacy, segue a little bit from because I think that is the foundation of all of this. Absolutely. And something that you have said to me is you are financially independent. Mm -hmm. Can you explain to the audience, like, what does it mean to be financially independent? And how do you bridge that map to get to that financial independence through financial literacy? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, man. So... Definition of financial independence, I would say, simple definition is passive income covers your expenses. Okay. Right. So you don't you don't have to work. Now there's different levels of financial independence. Uh, financial independence, right? You can have kind of that first level where it's like, hey, my my income is just covering my expenses. Then you can kind of go to the next level where it's like, hey, it's it's a little bit more now. I can maybe go live more of a life that I want to. And then now it's like the I would say the final level of like. I'm, I'm just good. You know, I don't, I don't really have to worry too much about the income. And so for me, real estate has allowed me to achieve financial dependence. I'm still along my journey, so I still have ways to go. But in the simple form of being able to cover my expenses, it's been able to provide that for me. But to your point, it does start with financial literacy and independence. Now, even as a person that went to school for financial economics, right, there's still so much that I did not and still do not know uh -huh. about financial independence, personal finance, investing, whatever it may be. And so 
you got to again do the the research and educate yourself for me i've always been a natural saver of money mm. i can remember growing up holidays birthdays you get some money and my birthday's not too long after christmas and so that's always a great time because i feel like you know double up you know i can <laughs> double up a little bit and i can remember like my my brothers coming to me for money you know because their money won't last as long as mine and so i would be like okay yeah i'll give you 20 dollars, but when you pay me i want 25. So I kind of oh, had you this. was a hustler. You, uh, you know what I'm saying? You like, had that interest. It's like, interest. It's interest. <laughs> but for someone that needs the money, right? That to them, it's like okay, sure, all right. And um, but I understood as I got older, and kind of even after college, I understood you can't save yourself to financial independence. Mm-hmm. You can't save money to financial. You have to invest. And so for me, investing was a mm-hmm. journey in itself. You know, that was something again where. I didn't really have much guidance with that. I would say my uncle was probably the person that talked the most about that. Mm-hmm. But even then, it was kind of simple. And it maybe have been in passing. It, was, it wasn't something that was drilled home for me, right? right. And so it, it took some, some researching to understand the different types of investing, right? And what makes mo- the most sense for me. And I think personal finance is just that. It's personal. Mm-hmm. And so what makes sense for one person may not makes sense for the next person, which is why I'm a very big advocate of the education piece, because I feel like a lot of times people may just go to, uh, you know, a financial advisor or somebody like that and just say, what do I what do I do with my money? And they'll give you an answer because they're going to get paid for it. Right. But their answer may not be the best answer for you because they don't have the context. They don't have the context of your life. You can share them information that you want to, but they'll never truly understand your context, right? And so no one is going to know better than you. And so I think a lot of it comes down to taking that ownership and accountability and understanding like, hey, I have the means to write my own story when it comes to this and, and how this impacts my life. Because whether we like it or not, money dictates the kind of life we're going to live, right? It's a means of freedom, bro. It's a means of freedom. And so if it controls so many aspects of our life, then why do we not take it as seriously as we should? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you said that because uh, I'm reading currently The Psychology of Money with uh, by Morgan Housel. And I've, I'm, I, I'm an advocate for just – I started to just read a bunch of finance books. So mm-hmm. I've, I've read Think and Grow Rich. I've read – uh, rich, rich dad, poor dad, and um, I've come to realize like my relationship with money has changed. Mm. You know, before like I used to, I mean, I want to say like kind of keeping up with the Joneses in a sense because I didn't have it to begin with, and then like as I started to get it, it, it's like my my mindset shifted because I think well both rich dad, poor dad, and I think also. The richest dad, the richest man in Babylon. Yeah, I read yeah. that John as well. It's like understanding the concept of when you say passive income, but making your money make money for you. Absolutely. And I remember I was watching an interview and 50 Cent was talking about, he's like, bro, you're not going to accomplish wealth until you, you're sleeping and you're still making money. You know, and I think my aspect of money and what it looked like, because my family traditionally comes from Haiti. Mm-hmm. They, my dad always tells me this. He's like, bro, I came here so that you can realize your dreams because my dream was to get here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but now that you're here, like, 
go, you know, and I think, um, but as a result, I used to be a penny pincher because mm-hmm. he was a saver. My dad could save, but I'm glad that you said that like saving can get yourself into that realm of financial independence mm-hmm. because you need multiple streams. And I don't think I grasped, even though he, he was doing the best that he can, it took for me to go out and see other people that had four, five, six streams of income to realize this is a reality. Like this is a, this is something that you can definitely establish. Um, and I say that because I think a lot of people within our community, their relationship with money is just like how mine was. And we have a scarcity mindset too. For sure. How did you overcome that scarcity mindset from being a saver to transition like, I mean, of course you talked about your uncle and everything, but did you ever have that moment where you felt like if I spend this dollar, it's never going to come around? Or was it just like you just had, because some people just built with that fear, that fearlessness. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but did you ever battle that scarcity mindset and how did you cultivate that relationship with money that you have now? Yeah, for sure. So that's important, man, because I think, I think we all, I think we all, for the most part, have that mindset at mm-hmm. times, right? Because it's passed down through our parents, right? Like we're not too far removed from having these opportunities that we have today. And so to your point about your father saying, hey, my dream was to just get here, right? And now that we're here, I want you to kind of take it to the next level. Mm -hmm. And so for me was understanding where my parents come from and what they were able to do. Um, And then trying to take it a step further, man. I understood the life that we lived and that we were able to live because of my parents was great but i understood it wasn't the life for me it wasn't the life for me right like we were comfortable we were definitely comfortable as a family but both of my parents worked you know and so it was a means of survival for me man it was it it came down to you need to take risk because without risk there is no reward and so that first property i mean seeing that money come out of my account and not knowing for sure if this was going to even work out or if I was even going to see some of that money back or just anything, it took a level of jumping off the porch and just saying, Hey, faith. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. You need that level of faith and also trusting yourself and knowing the type of person that you are. Right. Because for me, the failure wasn't an option. I was so committed and determined for it that I was like, this is going to happen, whether it happens in the next few years or 10, 15, 20 years. The sooner I start, the sooner it happens. So I had to just get out of that mindset of the, scar- the scarcity mindset and understanding that I want to live a life of abundance. Hmm. And in order to do that, I'm going to have to take the risk that these other people are, are taking. And also being intentional about being around people that are doing it, I started to see too much. Hmm. I saw too much. How so? I, start to, I started to see what this exact opportunity was doing for other people. Mm. And so naturally I said, well, I can only see so much before I have to go back and then say, you know what? No, I don't want that. I want this. Uh And so being able to ask people questions and understand what did you have to do to get here and understand like, hey, in order to do that, you're going to have to do the same exact thing. The benefit obviously is that if somebody is telling you go this route and don't go that route, well, maybe you can expedite that journey because you can miss some of those pitfalls. And so to me, again, it just came down to the action piece, man. I can't say that enough because you can educate yourself all you want. 
if you don't take the action, what 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 good is the information? Mm. I think it's funny you said that because uh, Jay Z was talking to Kevin Hart in one of his interviews, and you know the saying is always like knowledge is power, and mm-hmm. he kind of you're like nah. He said it's applied knowledge. He mm-hmm. said when you know how to apply it, that's really where the power is, and um. You just said something that reminded me of something that my friend once said, which is, I saw too much. Mm-hmm. And um, I just came back from Sundance in January, which was a great experience. And I called my boy, who's in the film industry, and he's like, bro, you've seen it. Like, once you see it, you could have it. And I think that really does play on to what you just said, because it's like, now I see it. And similar to you. I didn't know anybody in the media world, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Not until we went to Paint Branch and they had a TV, like I had never been introduced to that. I mean, you see anchors on TV and you right. watch the news, but for anybody that was close to me, you know, you never, I never had that experience. So once I got behind the camera, I was like, oh, like I could really do this. Mm-hmm. You know, you start to just put that practice and you start to train that muscle of, by just showing up. And I think that's something that a lot of us, we kind of sell ourselves short because we are afraid to even show up. Um, but something that I wanted to add is in the process of learning, how do you establish that work-life balance? Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, you have relationships, you have family, you have events, friends, and things of that nature. On the journey of financial independence, how did you create or cultivate a lifestyle of work-life balance. Yeah, man. This is something for me I'm still working on. I really hey, look. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still working on that. I'm sure some people would, would, you know, close to me will say that. But, you know, again, I think it's just about being mindful and intentional, right? And, um, you know, I try to spend time with loved ones. I try to make time for that. But I also understand that there's a mission at hand. Mm-hmm. There's a mission at hand. And, and it's bigger than me again. And so... I, there's a level of sacrifice, you know, quite honestly, that it does take to do anything and de- to be successful at anything. I think you, there's a level of sac- sacrifice. What that level is, that can vary. Maybe your tolerance is more, maybe it's less. For me, there's just nothing that I want more than this for me and my family because I think there is so much opportunity and good that can come from it. And that's the legacy that I want to leave behind. And so I try to be intentional about it. Um, and I tried to do things like this year. I'm trying to do like calendars, you know. Oh yeah. And like I'm, I'm telling people, like, you want to make hey, send me your email so I can put it in my calendar because otherwise something may come up. I do. I'll forget. You know, that's just that's just what it is. Sometimes. No, that's called What's adulting. That? It's called adulting. <laughs> like facts. for real. That's facts. And so yeah, it's it's, a, it's always going to be a balance, you know. And I think it's never going to end. It's never going to stop. The older that I get the more that I may take on, it just may be more responsibility. I think it could probably get more, even more and more challenging. And so I'm trying to put the foundation in place now. Mm-hmm. So then as it does grow and it scales, I won't have to retroactively try to come back and say, now nah, my life is in, is in shambles right now. And so it, again, it's a work in progress, man. It's a work in progress. Now I'm glad you said that because um, I think as men, a lot of times it's put on us to, have it all figured out for from sure. the beginning and it's mm-hmm. just like um we're talking to literally just now <laughs> um ferg mm-hmm. and we're talking about giving yourself grace and i think we need to give ourselves grace as we figure out this journey um and i'm, I'm so glad that you talked about 
that aspect of that you don't know what tomorrow may bring. And something that you talk about is a tragedy that mm-hmm. you've experienced. And I'll never forget, like, again, I've always, I've known you for a while and you talked about it earlier, but like the, I remember it was right before the Springboard game mm-hmm. when like you left, I I think were we in the same class or I'm not entirely sure what, but I remember you leaving this school and um, you had come back and talked about like you, 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 I think, I don't know if you posted it on Facebook or if you told people in person, like the loss of your father mm-hmm. and you were 16 or 17. Oh, uh, 17. It's like three weeks after my 17th birthday. Yeah. And um, I just remember you go out on the court and ball out like i remember like uh against it was no because you played a game before springbrook it was kenwood kenwood Kenwood. okay i was like wait a minute you play that game and i just remember seeing a passion that like like you just knew that even at that age like first of all the 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 calm it was a calmness to you even though i knew that you had a weight on your shoulder and watching you ball out in that in that in that space like it was very honorable, bro, to just be wit to bear witness. How did that? How did that moment um, shape where you are now as far as overcoming adversity? Because this is just one, and we'll get to the other that mm-hmm. you you we we both know impact like impacted the community for sure. Um, but how has overcoming the, that moment and standing? You're the youngest. Mm-hmm. You have older brothers, but you, I kind of felt like when I saw that you had to go straight into manhood. Like it was like from college. I mean, high school student to I'm a man now. Like mm-hmm. this is this is. How did you How did you maneuver through that? Yeah, man. It was um, it was like a blur, man. It really was. And uh, you know that that day that I got that news, we did have that basketball game, and so. Basketball and sports has always been just a place of like an escape for mm-hmm. me. It allows me to get my mind off of things. And so, you know, I can remember I can remember being at the hospital after just finding out, you know, of course, I'm a wreck. Family's a wreck and everything's going on. And there's a game. We have a game, a playoff game at that. And I can remember our team called me from, you know, the locker room or whatever it was at the school and Coach Hardy, rest in peace to Coach Hardy, he said... Shout out to Hardy. Shout out to Hardy. He said, Tristan, you know, and you could hear people crying in the background. You know, we were a close we were a close team, man. And uh, he told me, he said, we're, we'll forfeit this game. Like, we, we are not going if you don't, if you're not going. Or if you don't want us to go or whatever the case may be, like, let us know. And I was like, Coach, I'll see you there. And hung up the phone and my aunt took me over there. And obviously, it was a very emotional game. You know, we had students that came out to Kenwood, which was like an hour drive, yeah. you know, in high school. And so, you know, to show love and show support. And so it was um, definitely a pivotal moment in my life, man, because my father was my role model. Mm-hmm. You know, that was the guy that I looked up to, to the most. He was like the rock of our family. Um, and he had such an impact on people around him as well, which I think I admired the most as I got older, I think I understood that more, but it was, um, it was obviously a tough time, but for me, man, it, it, I had to come to a point where 
perspective again is everything for me uh-huh. and you know I, I had to think about it like i'm blessed to have had 17 years with my father there's some people who never got to meet their father uh-huh. there's some people who didn't have the relationship that i had with my father right and he instilled so many values and morals and things into me that i carry with me to this very day and i wouldn't be the person without without him and so for me i feel i feel blessed i feel lucky i feel fortunate to have known him to have had a father like him but of course it was still tough it was still tough you know there were still moments of sadness you know depression whatever you want to call it where i just didn't feel like i could recover from something like that Uh and to your point about hearing it at school whatever the case may be i feel like the community rallied around not only me but my family as well and so it's something that is another thing i'm extremely grateful for man to just have the village that I do have, you know, the people that I could have leaned on during that time. And um, and I think that's what helped me get through it. That's what helped me get through it, man. And I understood that tragedy happens. That's life. That was my first experience with it at that point, you know, as a 17-year-old kid. And I feel like my whole world was crashing down. But I understand, like, this happens every day. Like, people go through things like this every day. People experience this, and yet they still go on to do great things or live a great life or whatever the case may be. And so I told myself, well, why not me? Why why can't I take this and make it something good? Yeah. You know? And so, you know, without that happening, I don't know if I'm in the same place today. I don't. You know, I think with that happening, to your point, it did make me grow up maybe a little bit faster. You know, I kind of had to, you know, obviously take care of my mother a little bit more and kind of you know, be be that. And obviously I had, I had older brothers too. And so I think that's something that we shared as well. It wasn't just like it was all on me, but it it, it did force me to start thinking about things that otherwise I maybe not have, I maybe wouldn't have, mm-hmm. but it made me who I am today. And it shaped and molded me as well. Man, um, first and foremost, thank you for sharing that because, you know, to have that insight, but just uh just hearing that I'll be there like to 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 the uh compassion that the team had for you but then also you feeling like the duty to still show up is truly honorable um but more importantly to be able to be in the space to say that there were moments where it's like, I don't know if I will recover. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people don't give themselves that moment to to have that sense of doubt. And it's like, oh, I have to, like I said, as black men, we have to have it all figured out. But to then bridge the gap from that moment to why not? I've seen other people that have overcome tragedy. Why not me? Um, one of the biggest things that I gathered from that in other situations and that I've even experienced with myself is time. Mm-hmm. You know, in this life, I think time, uh, it's funny because I listened to this Roddy Rich song and he talks about how time is the most valuable resource because you don't know how much you have. Yep. And once you spend it, you don't know how much you have. And once you spend it, you can never get it back. So it's like understanding the aspect of time how does that motivate you along this journey, bro? Because yeah. 
you've been moving, bro. Like, <laughs> like I just remember one day it was like, okay, I'm, I got one property. Then I see another one. Then it's like, I got an Instagram. Then you're teaching financial literacy. How has the, the idea of time motivated you along this journey? Yeah, man. That's what it's all about. To me, financial freedom is the term. It's kind of coined at this point, right? Um, but I'm about time freedom. I want to get my time back. Yeah. To your point, time is something that we can't get back. You know, once we spend it, we spend it. And it's a scarce commodity, right? Because we don't know how much we have, to your point as well. And so for me, that's what this is all about. I want to live a life of having all the time to do what I want to do yeah. and not feel like I'm obligated or I have to do certain things that maybe I don't feel great about. It's not light to me. Maybe it's too heavy or maybe it's something that's not rewarding or fulfilling, whatever it means. So I want to live a life of abundance, but also a life of intent as well to be able to wake up and do something that says, I'm choosing to do this today. I'm choosing to put my time to this yeah. because this is something that I care about or I'm passionate about or something that matters to me. And so it has allowed me to stay on the journey because I understand that that's the goal at hand. The goal is to create a time freedom for not only me, for my family as well. I want an opportunity for people in my family or the kids or the younger people in my family to not necessarily have to worry about certain things, right? Because I feel like if you take obligations, money, that off the table about getting up and having to work every day, whatever it is, what kind of life would you live? I was about to ask you that. Like literally, <laughs> that was my next. What kind, of, I, what kind of life would you live? What would you want that life to look like? What does that life of time freedom look like to you? What for me, you? for me, it's about impact. It's about impact. And going back to the, the to to my father's passing, one thing that stuck with me, you know, ten plus years later, is the impact that he's had on people. Talk and, about it. And, and my father was an educator, and so I still have people to this day that may speak with me or they may see my last name and kind of look at me like Tolliver, huh? Mm. And once I kind of go into it or they ask me a question about it and they say, yo, you don't know what your dad did for me. And so to me, that is the stuff that lasts forever. Yeah. Right. You know, nobody comes up to me and says, oh, your dad had a nice car or anything like that. That's not really what mattered to me. it, It changed that perspective of this is everlasting because you can impact this one person and that one person go to impact another two people. Those two people can get impact four people and it creates this ripple effect, right? Mm -hmm. But it all comes back down to you. And so it's like, no matter how far the stream goes, it never forgets its source. And so you want to be that source and I want to be that source to the people around me. Right. Um, and that's what keeps me going, man. I just want to live a life of impact, and I want people to remember me as a person that, at the end of the day, I want better for you. I want better for me. I want better for all of us, you know? And um, and that can mean different things, but I want to create this impact that is undeniable, you know? And I want to be able to change people's lives for the better, and um, that's, the, that's the path that I'm on. Along this path, we have to set goals, and accomplish those goals. What goals do you feel like? Because you've accomplished a lot of big goals. But <laughs> appreciate that. But what goals, like five, ten years, when we when we circle back, we spend a bin and we're talking. What goals do you have? I mean, you don't have to talk about all of them, of course. But like, sure, sure, sure. And I mean, and this is something that's always changing, right? Right. Um, because as time goes on, you start to wonder or think, 
certain things maybe you don't care as much about or you may come across something that you're a little bit more passionate about so they can change as well but again for me it's about um it's about the impact and so i want to help people that is something that has been rooted in all pretty much everything that i've done you know being in sales you know real estate or the business things is all about serving and helping people in a way mm-hmm. and so that is a goal that i feel like is going to remain i want to continue to help people i want to inspire people i want to aspire people i want to motivate people i help people encourage people and so a lot of it has to do with just people you know um that would say that's probably the biggest goal for me to try to help as many people as possible obviously i have some financial goals you know um <laughs> things like that Naturally. you know but i i feel like those are one of those goals where it's gonna once i get to that number now it's gonna be like okay let's take it to the next level so that's always going to be a moving target for me um but one of my goals you know is really just to be happy i want to live a life of happiness whatever that means for me and it could be the time freedom it could be helping people it could be spending time with my family whatever the case may be i want to live a life of intent to where i am the ceo of my life and i control every aspect of my life obviously you have things that you can't control but i want to just feel like i have control over what my destiny is but you know how important that is that you just said that like so many people are searching for materialistic and tangible things bro and uh I think especially in our community, especially Mm -hmm. as black men, like just to be happy, bro. You don't hear that every day. Like I just want to live a happy life. They, so many people set a tangible goal. Mm -hmm. So I'm so glad that you answered it that way um, because I think that is encouraging for people that can hear that to know that. And that's the whole reason why I started this podcast is because what success may look like to the next person, like success is ever changing. And your definition of success may not even scratch the surface. Mm-hmm. So for you to say that, uh, I first of all commend it. And I'm so glad that you said it because that is a goal of mine. Yep. And, and, and when I say happiness, is not in a sense of, for me, um, happiness means that I serve to be the best version of myself and strive to, to, to be the best version of myself every day. And I think that as I continue to walk this path and this journey and having this conversation and these conversations just kind of remind me that I am a part, a, a part of this journey or walking this path to this journey towards that happiness. Mm-hmm. And picking up happiness along the way because it's not like it's just going to show up yep. and it's just like, oh, you get to the end of the road and it's like, oh, I'm happy. But like picking up that those pieces along the way and um so yeah thank you for saying that because bro not many people have said that i've asked this question it's just like you know i want to open up a business and this that there it's all good and well but to be in a position where you are seeking joy and happiness is truly truly honorable and commendable and it could be a moving target right what makes you happy today may not make make you happy in five years and so i think it's about constantly trying to figure that out you can't allow other people or other things to determine what that is for you so a lot of it has to do with having those tough conversations with yourself right looking yourself in the mirror and and asking that question of what do i want and sometimes it's not an easy answer it's not a linear thing it can go all over the place right i think people look at success as it's linear it's constantly going like that 
success can look like this. It can go up and down. More than likely, it does look like and that. More than know? likely, it does, right? But I think, you know, in the in the the era and generation that we live in, social media obviously is a very heavy thing. You talked about earlier about keeping up with the Joneses or materialistic things, right? And I think it's because we allow other people to influence our decisions and what makes us happy, what we think makes us happy. And to the people that enjoy those things, more power to you, right? right. Like, go go get those things if that really makes you happy, but do it because it's something that you value, not because you think others are going to value you more or think more of you. Because when you do it that way, you're constantly never, you're never going to be happy. It's just going to be the next thing. Uh, what's the nicer car? What's the nicer watch? What's the nicer shoe, the house? It can, you can always find something nicer, right? And so understand what makes you happy. But in order to do that, you have to actively search for that. You... You talked about community earlier and how they rallied around you in so many different avenues of your life. Mm -hmm. How did you go about cultivating that community and knowing, you know, that we, I feel like as we continue to age, there's that shedding process Mm -hmm. where it's like, you have a lot of great friends, you know, high school, everybody's every, like, how did you go about cultivating that community of friends that, created the the for lack of better words like the iron sharpening iron that continues to propel you in this industry in networking i mean i know you talked about how you didn't have any mentors in this but there are still friends around you that motivated you and continue to tell you to keep on going and Mm -hmm. this that and third how did you cultivate that circle yeah you know i I definitely wouldn't be where i am today without the friends without my community without the people in my circle right so i, I owe a lot to them right because they they push me um they motivate me uh, they're there for me they hold me down you know the very simple way to say and so to me it was just about believing the type of person that you are and knowing the type of person that you are you know i would consider myself a kind-hearted good-spirited person right myself <laughs> right but it's about putting that out there, and I'm a true believer that what you put out, it comes back to you, oh, yeah. right? And so I never look at it as relationships as transactional or I'm trying to get something out of you in return. And I feel like the more I live my life that way, it just happens to come back into me as well. And so mm-hmm. as you get older, you know, it, it, it's difficult in terms of friends, you know, friends that you, maybe you're not as close with before or you fell out with them, or maybe they're just no longer the right person for you to be around. I think that's another thing that you also have to decide, decide and, and look and look inward, right? You got to ask yourself, is this person someone that I can continue to grow with, continue to learn from, continue to be friends with, whatever the case may be, and doing what's best for yourself. So there's friends that maybe I don't talk to them as much anymore. I always have love for them, you know? Um, but it's about putting them in buckets, if you will, where it's like, okay, maybe this person is good for this, and that's okay. If they're, Maybe they're not the person for this, and that's okay as well. So it's also about being honest with yourself in terms of the people around you and not trying to twist reality and make it something else. It's just like, it is what it is. At some point, people are going to show you their true colors. You got to take it for what it is. It's up to you to say, well, am I going to continue to be with this person or around this person? Or am I going to maybe separate myself to do something else if they're no longer serving me in that way? And I think that's a part of growing up. It's a part of 
chasing a goal or whatever it is, right? There's going to be people that hop out the car on the way, you know, and, and that's all right. It's, it's nothing against them. But you have to understand that when you surround yourself with people that are not serving you or are holding you back in a way, it's, it's only hurting you. And again, it's something that I want so bad to where it's like, I'm not shy about it. If you're one of my friends, you probably we probably had a conversation about something, yeah. you know, in terms of goals or, you know, what do you want to do and certain things like that to where if that's not your speed, it's not your speed. I'm not going to force it on you, but we can always talk about it. And so it's just about, again, being intentional, man, and, and also being honest with yourself about the type of people that you surround yourself with. I'm glad you said that because uh, you kind of touched on meeting people where they're at mm. in that moment. And I think as I've come to grow, uh, instead of it, it really helped me in my relationship with my siblings because mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm the youngest too. Mm-hmm. And like, I just had to come to realize we had two different experiences. Well, as many of my siblings I had, but like in particular with my older sister, like we lived very different lives. Mm-hmm. And we kind of touched on this on my podcast uh, on an earlier episode. I'm sorry. <laughs> Bro, like we even had different parents. And I had to come to realize that. And I think when it comes to community overall, uh, my expectations from people shifted from meeting people where they are. I mean, of course, I will have expectations, but for certain people, you're setting yourself up for for a lot of heartache by yeah. putting an expectation on an acquaintance that you're seeing as a, a best friend, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And it's it's okay to have that. And I think the biggest thing that you just touched on is, uh, God, you just said it, people getting, hopping out the car mm-hmm. on the way mm-hmm. to the destination. And um, what that reminds me of is seasons. Yep. <laughs> it reminds me of seasons, bro. And seasons come and seasons go. And I, I think our generation in particular, we take things real personal. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, so it's like, you ain't talk to me. It's just like, nah, I don't hate you, bro. It's just, I'm looking this way right now. You're looking that way. And that's okay. We're going, but the love is always going to be there. I mean, some people you got to let go. <laughs> just just <laughs> keep it a buck. Like some people, you got to cut it off. Yeah. But um, I'm glad that you said that because a lot of people within our generation, uh, it's like kind of like this negative stigma with shedding mm-hmm. and um, being able to have that tight knit community is very sacred because when I look at people like LeBron and I remember he had a interview on Rap City of the Basement and the same people like, bro, that's like the American dream for me because it's like the same people. He's like, that's my dog. He going to do this. Yep. He going to do this. He going to do this. And then. 20 years, not even 20 years, he was 18, so like 14 years later, mm-hmm. that has manifested into the reality that they all were talking about, but they stayed consistent along the way. Um, so community, I think, is one of the biggest things that we don't understand. We we do understand, but we don't give it enough power right? and how much it can influence the trajectory that we're going. But um, I don't want to leave without talking about the development of the homeboy. <laughs> okay, okay. Tristan Tyler. Because people don't know this, like, bro, you're very intimate. Like, you, you stay to yourself. But then I saw this presence on social media. I'm like, dog, hold up, bro. Who is this? Like, my man is 
posting. He got financial literacy. He got Monday motivation. Like it's just coming out. What what pushed you to take that jump? Man, community. There <laughs> <Here> you go. <laughs> community. I mean, that's the short answer. Um, I think the longer answer is to me, I felt I felt responsible. I felt responsible to share information. You know, because, again, what good is this information if I don't do something with it? And I believe in paying it for it. Um, and I can remember being at, you know, my cousin's house and we were in there. This is this is during COVID. So, you know, COVID is like fresh out and it just started for real. And we're at his crib and we were talking about it. And he was just like, yo, why don't you why don't you have an Instagram or like something that you can talk about this on? And I'm like. I was like, man, you know, I'm not, <laughs> I don't the socials and stuff. I'm not yeah. really into that, man. Like, I, I didn't, I don't really have any social media, really. So, it, it always just seemed like a chore, and it just seemed like a space that I wasn't really too interested in. Like, yeah. sometimes it could seem like vain yeah. at times, yeah. and so I just didn't really want to do it. And so he was like, "No, you, you have to do it," mm. and we literally pulled out my phone and created the Instagram right then and right there. Cause oh, he, wow. cause he knew, he knew if I walked out of there and I was like, <laughs> right, it wouldn't have happened. And so shout out to your cousin. Nah, for that. real, for real. Shout out to, shout out to B. And so they, he, he pushed me to do it. And I think also the response that I got from it as well. Right. Because mm -hmm. the same thing you said about, yo, whoa, 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 who is this? Like, <laughs> like people would hit me up like, yo, you got an Instagram? Like, it took you this long to get an Instagram and you get an Instagram is for business. He's like, hey, that sounds like you, right? So that's just what it came down to, man. It just, I just felt like I'll be doing a disservice to my community mm -hmm. by not at least sharing it. Because when I would have conversations with my friends about, you know, investing or real estate or financial literacy, whatever it is, I knew if that I was the only person they were talking about this with. And if they weren't hearing it from me, they weren't hearing it from anybody. Wow. And so it made me think, well, I wonder how many other people aren't ha having these conversations, right? Yeah. Or don't have somebody that they feel like they can talk to about this stuff. And so I just took it upon myself, you know, with the help of, of my community and just said, hey, you know what? Let's just, let's just try it. Let's just see what happens. And again, I think the response because, and I, and I still got to do a better job. Man. I, I don't post nearly as much as I, I, as I should, but... It's a process. It is a, it's a process. <laughs> it's a process. Sometimes it just seems like a chore. I'm like, dang, I had to post something, right? But when I do post something and the level of feedback that I get and the mm -hmm. response that I get, it motivates me to be like, okay, you got you to gotta do more of that, right? Because I feel like it is something that people just need to hear at yeah. the end of the day. And so that's really what pushed me to do it, man. And, you know, it was a different name before the homeboy. The homeboy was something I feel like I came up with maybe over the past year. It's very two. unique though. I've seen I was like, oh, that's tough. And the logo and everything. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey man, you know, I try to lean into it. I was like, if you're gonna do it, man, you gotta try to do it, right? <laughs> and so, you know, obviously the homeboy, the, the how that came about was, it's a little, it's a dip, deeper meaning than just a play on words, right? Um, Cause you got the homeboy for real estate and things like that. But it's also about people trying to label you and then taking that same thing and twisting and turning on his head into something that's going to be good, valuable, mm. and something that's going to be powerful. And so, you know, I, I know there's people out there that looked at me, whether it be in real estate, you know, you got this little black boy coming along, like, 
there's not a lot of let alone young people in real estate but also minorities and people of color right and so to be able to kind of turn that on its head to me was a deeper meaning of like that can apply to anybody right um no matter what race gender where you're from whatever it is people get labeled every single day right and so to be able to take that and to turn it to something that's positive something that's empowering something that hopefully is helpful um or something that I, I took a sense of pride in and from there it was just like all right well let's get it let's do it all right because that's tough because when i hear that it's like i also feel like the homeboy it's like the homie mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying and i don't know if that was what you oh, for inten- sure like for sure. intended but it's like your friendly neighborhood financial literacy instructor you know mm-hmm. what i mean which i feel like again we kind of it's a wealth of knowledge out there and i i you already know i'm a spiritual uh, love christ so mm-hmm. I, i'm not ashamed to say it and it's funny because one of the verses that i read often is like yo my people perish because of lack of knowledge mm. and i think that's so many of us so to be able to take that spin it on his head to identify the need first of all within your community, but then more importantly, put forth that action. And you've been talking about the action. Uh, I would encourage you to keep on doing that. Cause boy, I learned so much. Cause I'm like, hold up, bro, you could do that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't even know that you can go about doing X, Y, and Z, you right. know? And it's just because believe it or not, we're still fighting those racial battles. Absolutely. And there is still powers that be. That, that are trying to keep mm-hmm. as much as they possibly can and um so shout out to you for continuously trying to break through that threshold and break through those glass ceilings so not just only you can climb but others can climb along with you because we need more of that like for sure so just wanted to encourage you post as much as you want to i know it may feel like a chore right now but bro <laughs> I'll be watching. Like, I would not. That's the whole reason. I was like, nah, I got to get my boy on this podcast because I've learned so much. And I know there's so much more that I'm going to learn as you continue to grow along this journey. Uh, But I kind of wanted to leave. We talked about legacy Mm -hmm. already in a standpoint. But if there's one thing that you want to leave for the next generation outside of legacy, as far as a concept, what would that be? Mm. Outside of legacy, a concept. That's a good one. That's a good one. Man, there's so many. There's so many, right? Um, I would say you have to take accountability. The generation that we're in right now, I feel like, and I said this earlier, we have so much opportunity, Mm. right? We got these phones right here on the table. We got computers in our pockets at all times. And a lot of it comes down to how you look at it. You can look at this as a means of distraction or it could be a tool the same way money can be a tool to get you what you want. And so I think you have to take that accountability because without that, what happens after you? Mm. And what gave me that sense of accountability again was understanding that you know, my parents worked hard to give us the life that we had. And I, at times, I'm sure I was a spoiled kid that took it for granted. But the older that I got, I understood like, wow, okay. That that's, they they did what they were supposed to do. In my my eyes, they did their job. 
And so for me now, it's about how do you how do you take that further, but also understanding that it's up to you. It's up to you. You don't want to let other people or society determine the person that you want to be. You need to do that yourself. And I think that goes back to taking that accountability of having that control of your life and being the CEO of your life. Right. It's like the, it's like the president of the United States where you're the president. You never know what being president is like until you're the president. Mm. Right. It's like, OK, this is, the, this is my first time being a president. Like this, this is what it comes with. And so be the president of your life, be the CEO of your life and take that accountability, but also be very intentional about what that is for you and understand that it could look different. The answer today may not be the answer tomorrow, next week, next year, whatever the case may be. But without you taking that step in action, you don't go anywhere. So legacy, obviously, that's important. What you want to be remembered as, what you want to leave behind you. But it has to start with the action. It has to start with the action. And so that's what I would challenge people to do is what have you been putting off for a while? What have you been thinking about? And it just seems to constantly come back to you as something that maybe you want to do, you think you should be doing, whatever the case may be. And just take that first step. Mm-hmm. And I think people look at a staircase, right? They just look at the top of the staircase and say, that's a lot of steps I got to go. Right. Right. Rather than just looking at that first step that's right in front of them. And as soon as you take that first step, you're closer to that top step. I can't tell you when you may get to that top step, but I can tell you by taking that first one, you'll be closer to that top step. Right. And so be give yourself grace, obviously. Right. This is something for a lot of us. We're like first generation, whatever. You know, a lot of us are. And so give yourself grace and understand that it is a journey, but also hold yourself accountable and, and understand that if you don't take that that ownership, then who will? I can't. I literally cannot say anything outside of that. But there's one thing that just like, I'm going to close it with this. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to ask you after I say this one line to give all your socials and everything. Because what you okay. just said, bro, you said if you don't take advantage of who, Grant Cardone, who is very controversial at mm-hmm. times. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but he said something in his book, which was the ten X rule, mm-hmm. and it 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 like when I heard it, I said, "Oh damn!" And what you just said just reminded me of that. It said he said you can either chase your dreams, or you can become a resource for others that are chasing theirs. Mm. And that is essentially what you said just now. And I heard you <laughs> times two because I'm like, dog. Let me go out and whatever that dream that I just had, I said, let me let me go take that step. You know what I mean? Whatever that may be. So, man, thank you so much for the gems that you dropped during this episode, bro, for being vulnerable and just continuing to educate your community as you've been doing. Um, tell the people where they can find you, social media, you know what I'm saying, how they can connect, all that. Yeah, for sure. So the homeboy underscore on Instagram. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, my professional side as well, Tristan Tolliver. Um, I do work a corporate job. I don't know if I made that clear. Um, <laughs> I'm a nine to five entrepreneur, so I'm a big fan of keeping a job and leveraging that money to then chase the dream, whatever the goal is you're going after. And so, yeah, you can find me on those places, man. Hit me up. Um, I'm always an open book. At least I try to be. And um, and I try to pay it forward, man. And I love when people reach out and ask questions and things like that, because it challenges me to 
maybe do some more research on something I, I don't maybe know as well or to try to explain something that I think that I do know. And so I love interacting and engaging with the community about this stuff because I'm extremely passionate about it. And, you know, hopefully that can uh, pay it forward to to those folks. Yo, yeah, I heard it here first. I'm telling y'all I got that fire coming. It's another great episode of Why Now with Alexander DeBlanc. Until next time, peace.